0: back friends to a very special edition of midwretched a very special edition it's
1: 2021
0: update yeah it's also special because we are together ah in the same room like we're sitting six inches away from each other this is not six inches this is a centimeter from your knee to my knee i would say if you want me to touch you i can touch you anyway we are together we are recording together in Chicago because me and my family are here to sleep in Mick's basement.
1: Yay! Because they come to visit Chicago, the greatest place on earth. That's right. We spent the whole day at the Brookfield Zoo and it was wonderful. The best of the two Chicago land zoos. Absolutely. I think so.
0: Very much so. Mm-hmm. Um, my child is currently pretending to be asleep on the futon downstairs, but I know that she's probably just down there drawing pictures.
1: That's fine. She drew us a really, really cute family portrait last night. Really cute. Yeah. And most cutely of all, our men are downstairs
0: cooking together while we
1: do this episode. It's pretty cute. We gave them a really fun challenge. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. That they were taking very seriously. Very, very seriously. There are a lot of
0: furrowed brows down there. (laughs) So, (laughs) (laughs) So those are a lot of reasons that this episode is special. And we also, because we're together and because we are approaching... Our one-year anniversary, which is crazy, Mm -hmm. Uh, we wanted to do a set of updates on some of the cases that we've covered so far uh, in our magnificent
1: run of 45 episodes. Ah! Yeah, crazy, right? Uh, So consider this your yearly updates and reflections. Yes. Yes, exactly.
0: So what we've done is just kind of compiled interesting or significant updates from each of our cases that we've covered so far. Some of the cases don't have any real updates. Some have some pretty juicy ones, from what I'm hearing. Oh,
1: there's some juice. Yeah. So, uh, let's do this. All right. You want to go ahead? You want to start us off? Sure. We're um, going to be reading our notes off of our phones, because that seemed like the best way to do this. That's where it is. That's also how we started. <laughs> We're going way back that's to episode true. one. Actually, I, went, I was on
0: paper. I wrote everything on, like, a legal pad. Oh, yeah. That's great. So I'm actually going to start us off with a really, really somber update. I want to talk about Lisa Montgomery um, because she was executed. She, um, her death sentence was carried out. And so she, if you guys remember, she is the murderer in the Bobby Stinnett case out of, um, oh, what was that terrible place called? Skidmore, Mm -hmm. Missouri. And she was the one who murdered Bobby Joe Stinnett by cutting a baby out of her abdomen and kidnapping it. Yeah. Rough case. Real rough one. Um, And it just kind of keeps getting rougher because Lisa Montgomery, as you guys know, was, when we talked about it, she was on death row and it kind of was like in limbo a little bit because of... Some of the, you know, COVID and then some pretty hefty, like, appeal efforts on behalf of lots and lots and lots of people to try Mm -hmm. to get that converted. Right. So she was finally given the lethal injection. January 13, 2021, she um, received her lethal injection at that federal prison over in Terre Haute, Indiana, which is where a lot of the heavy hitters are so mm-hmm. when she received the death penalty, and again, like wherever people sit on the death penalty is, you know, it's your business. Like I know how I feel. Yeah. I assume you know how you feel. I know how I feel pretty yeah. strongly. Me too. Um, but however it is that you feel, I just want to talk a little bit about how her actual execution went down. It was really, it was pretty messed up. It was pretty messed up. Now. She was pronounced dead that January day at 1.31 a.m. The process typically starts at midnight, kind of the custom for Mm -hmm. lethal injection. It's the custom for how we kill people in the U.S. It is, which is a really disgusting thing that we, well, whatever, that's my personal thing. So she was 52, and she was the first woman to be executed in the U.S. uh, by the federal government in 67 years when she was executed. Wow. Yeah. So you know what happened is basically uh, she was asked if she had any last words. She said no, and she was given the cocktail um, of a lethal injection. But what ended up coming out later, per her lawyer, was that she was denied prayer prior what? to yes.
1: Mhm. Okay. Oh. 'Cause I knew about and we had talked about this I think really briefly before, she was told that there would be a stay of execution. Mm-hmm. And then I think less than twelve hours later, yep. they're like they're literally walking her yeah. down I don't know if they would call it all the Green Mile, but the Green Mile. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that they denied her prayer. Yes. And that's me as an atheist being absolutely shocked by that. Yeah. Yeah. Like
0: on top of the fact that it was that quick you know, there was a stay. And then all of a sudden, like less than a day later, oh no, there's not a stay, Mm -hmm. you know, come with us. The excuse I'm sure is that it was all too fast to bring in, um, a spiritual advisor or a pastor or, you know, whatever her preference would have been. I, um, very sincerely doubt that you couldn't find a pastor to talk to a death row inmate in central Indiana on
1: pretty short notice. (laughs) There are, pastors dedicated to these prison services yeah exactly and i think what gets me about that one so much is that it is the same i hate to like stereotype people here but it is the same kind of like conservative christian people that are going to deny this mm-hmm. yeah yeah
0: um and it's it's frightening that denial is really frightening because uh in the words of her lawyer or one of her attorneys, I should say. She had a whole team. Uh, This is her attorney, Amy Harwell. Uh, She is quoted to say, it was a needless indignity and a deprivation of really her basic humanity. And that's pretty much exactly how I would put it. I mean, Mm -hmm. denying somebody time, you know, with a pastor or with a priest or whatever that would be, you know, for them Mm -hmm. is a huge indignity, especially in the situation of the speed of it. Like she had no ability to... Not I don't want to say prepare, but she had no ability to feel spiritually ready, I would say,
1: yeah, for I what mean, was happening. I mean, I think about it as, like, almost denying somebody their last rights as a Catholic. Mm-hmm. That's... You can't do that. No, you really
0: can't. You really can't. So, um, I will definitely spare us the kind of nitty-gritty details about how her, like, execution went physically but it was definitely um the descriptions i read i i found them to be very jarring she was quite obviously uncomfortable there was trembling shaking things like that kind of in that process but i really wanted to point out like again like however people feel about the death penalty is like personal opinion you know whatever that is is you know a opinion you're entitled to right but i i just don't think that anybody could feel good about somebody being denied access to what I would think of as as basic care in that last 24 hours, which
1: would be access to spiritual care. It makes me curious because she was executed in a series of a blitz at the end of mm-hmm. a certain president's term. Yes. And I wonder how many other individuals who were executed in that blitz were denied the same things, whose cases were kind of less known and thus publicized. That's a really good question. That's a really good question. I don't know, but I wouldn't
0: be surprised if there were other corners cut. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that's kind of my big update. I've got a couple other little ones, but that's my my big biggie,
1: because yeah, yeah, that's a big deal. That is a big deal. Yeah. So, I'm going to actually pick up... I had my cases written in chronological order for how we covered them. That's what I did, too. But... I actually just kind of want to pick up on this interesting kind of legal side of things. So I'm going to jump into the Alyssa Bustamante case. Oh, okay. So there is very, very recently, as in a couple of weeks ago, a bill that passed in the state of Missouri. So if you remember our Alyssa Bustamante case, it was the case of a, I believe she was 14 at the time of the crime, 14 year old who stabbed and attacked a little eight-year-old girl, Elizabeth Olten, who ended up dying. She had buried the body. There was kind of a big protracted legal defense about the role of Prozac, and I had a fun time kind of going into the ins and outs of the Prozac defense. Um, But kind of what was also interesting in her case was her age. And kind of the question of, can minors, especially someone as young as 14, be given a life sentence? She was given a life sentence, life plus 30 years. Mm -hmm. So she would eventually be eligible for parole, but it would be a very, very long time away. Um, This current bill that recently passed in Missouri makes it such that perpetrators who commit crimes under the age of 15... Would be eligible for parole after serving 15 years of their sentence. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, currently, her earliest, so before this bill passed, her earliest eligible parole hearing would be in 2044. Mm. With this bill passed, and it's still kind of not clear, bills pass and then we have to figure out how to implement them. Mm-hmm. If that 15 year parole hearing would be applied. At the time that she was first incarcerated or the Mm. time after which she was sentenced. Ah. So if it applies after the time that she was sentenced, she would be eligible in 2027. Mm. If it's applied after the time that she was first incarcerated, it would be 2024. Oh, wow. That's really soon. That's very, very soon. Hmm. Um, the bill passed the Missouri Senate pretty strongly, like, with pretty strong support. Um, yeah. There was a lot of other shady stuff in this bill, too, so. Really? Uh, yeah, they, they jam-packed a lot of stuff into this bill. This is just one piece of it I'm going to talk about. Um, but it passed the House, 108-43, to 43, and the State Senate, 23-9. to 9. Hmm. Um, Governor Parsons signed it into law July 14th. Obviously, there was a lot of kind of protest against this law um, from an organization called the National Organization of Victims of Juvenile Murderers. Interesting organization. Yeah. Okay.
0: Huh.
1: That's a website I want to take a look at. I did not have the time to look at it because we planned this episode so kind of quickly. Yeah. But uh, I was like,
0: hey, I need to sleep in your basement.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, cool, I gotta work, but have <laughs> yeah, at it. Basically. Make yourself at home. <laughs> basically. Um. But yeah, Elizabeth Olten's mother was definitely... Signed a petition to stop this bill. It did pass. So we'll see kind of what ends up happening with this. Again, keep in mind that I think when everybody hears this, it's like, oh, you're going to release everybody, blah, blah, blah. It just means that she is eligible for a parole hearing Mm -hmm. either in 2024 or in 2027.
0: Right. And being eligible for a hearing does not mean that you are granted parole. Exactly. you get
1: the hearing. Exactly. So... I think that we both had some feelings about kind of sentencing a fifteen-year-old to life plus thirty, but really complicated feelings. I had a very complicated hard time with feelings. That. Yeah, I yeah. had a really hard time. That's really interesting. It'd be interesting to see how that ends up playing out and how it ends up getting applied. It really
0: will. I'll also be curious, like if she does end up released on parole, if we have any access to her, like if she'll. If she'll speak to media, if Mm -hmm. she'll, you
1: know, because she did not speak at her trial Mm -mm. at all. So we don't know much about her other than kind of what the media has portrayed of her. Yeah. Yeah. But now she's like in her late 20s, right? So
0: yeah. Yeah. So she's obviously much older than she was before. And
1: I'll be really curious if she speaks out, writes a memoir, perhaps I would read that. I would read that I just I'm most interested to see what kind of rehabilitation they have attempted with her yeah me too yeah and that would be part of a parole hearing right you'd hear about what
0: what types of rehabilitative efforts have been made right because you have to kind of prove in a parole hearing that those have made you know allowed you to make progress basically Mm -hmm. Hmm. that's my biggest update that is a really interesting one thank you that is a really interesting one are you ready for my next one yep This one's a fun update, you guys, (laughs) because we are getting a Belle Gunnis movie. Yes. Now, if you remember Belle Gunnis, I hope you do. The unforgettable Lady Bluebeard. Um, Hell's Princess. Hell's Princess. Hell's Belle. Um, Turn of the century, you know, two centuries ago. Ed Gaines' girlfriend. Basically. (laughs) Across space and time. Um, Serial killer of dozens and dozens of men that she lured to her farm. Uh, in LaPorte, Indiana, is now being made into a feature film. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> I am very, very excited. Uh, filming for this movie has been pushed back several times due to COVID. So, mm-hmm. uh, filming was finally able to actually begin uh, in the last week of April 2021. And the filming is actually based in and around the LaPorte area. Obviously, it's way too soon for like a release date or anything like that. But we will be getting a Bell Gunness movie called The Farm at some time. (laughs) Really creative title. And Belle Gunness herself will be portrayed by Tracy Lords. If you don't know
1: who that is,
0: (laughs) I didn't. Who Tracy Lords is? Uh, I mean, she's been in like several movies. I would say the bulk of her career was like eighties. 90s cry baby was obviously her peak um, everybody's peak was cry baby it's really true let's see what else she was in before i talk about the other stuff that she was in uh she has been let's see not of this earth which is a sci-fi movie from the late 80s she's had bit roles in things like macgyver married with children tales from the crypt roseanne melrose place gilmore girls will and grace Movies such as Skinner, Virtuosity, Blade, Zach and Mary make a Porno, and Excision. She also is most known for her prolific career uh, as an adult film actress. So uh, that is probably who people are or how people will mostly know her. I would say like you hear her name and if you're well versed in vintage pornography, and who isn't, right? Uh, then you will know who Tracy Lords is. So uh, picturing her as Belle Gunness is definitely. Takes a little bit of a flight of imagination, I would say.
1: Charlize so there and uglied it up. Yeah, she did, and she was <laughs>
0: amazing. So, yeah. So uh, keep your ear to the ground. Obviously, when this movie comes out, I'll be the first in line to see it, so y'all know I'm giving you an update. But keep an eye out for updates about the farm, the Bell Gunness story. If they're filming in La Porte, can you go be an extra? I would love to. I don't think that I look a lot like a Norwegian immigrant from 1908, but I could pull off Norwegian immigrants. You could. You
1: really could. Okay. Yeah. I'll be an extra sweet. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, your turn. All right. Um, next case update. So if you guys remember way back, one of our earliest episodes with the murder of Sydney Sydney Loof. Mm-hmm. Sorry, my mouth didn't want to say that. <laughs> the murder of Sydney Loof. Um, as we mentioned, if you remember One of the perpetrators, Aubrey Trail, was found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to death. The other perpetrator, I think when we recorded it, she was literally awaiting Mm -hmm. trial. Yeah, that's right. So her trial has gone through. We learned a lot about Miss Bailey Boswell. Mm. If you want to go back, look through the case documents, I really recommend them. There are some uh, bombshells in there. (sighs) Who knows what to believe? She did have a five-year-old daughter, which she kind of used as a leverage against the death penalty. Um, so she had mentioned that she reports a history of being sex trafficked and that Aubrey Trail was the one who rescued her from that. Yeah. Real weird stories kind of it, coming out from yeah. it.
0: Yeah, And that does kind of fit, though, with the whole, like, motif that... Aubrey Trail tried to build about, like, him being, like, a magical, mythical creature that was somehow <laughs> going
1: to, like, create this, like, weird vampire sex cult? Vampire sex cult. Yeah, from what I read, her trial did not include vampire sex cults. Dang. Yeah. That's no. A bummer. Yeah, I think she took her defense a little bit more seriously. Mm. She is currently facing the death penalty. So if you guys remember in nebraska where she was tried and found guilty to get the death penalty you basically have to kind of make your case to a three-judge panel Mm. they did that over four days and the panel of judges is currently deliberating i apparently Mm. have hella timing on this no kidding every time we even think about this case it's like something new and strange is awaiting response or detail or outcome they finished their case presentation on july 3rd and it is expected that they are um going to deliberate over the next three to four weeks and come back with either a life sentence or a death penalty sentence that's so interesting that's such a long deliberation i know which i
0: feel like i can really appreciate the thoroughness and carefulness with which
1: they actually, one should approach that process they really think about with that one yeah yeah if she is sentenced to death, she will be the first and only woman in Nebraska on um, death row, Mm. which is interesting because her team also made the case that that would essentially equate to cruel and unusual punishment because she would be isolated. Oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. She'd be inherently alone. Huh?
0: That's interesting. The having a daughter thing. Oh, did you say daughter or just child? Daughter. Okay. That's also really interesting. Like, I'm sure many, many, many people on death row have children, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I can't imagine that standing as a reason.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I do think it's really interesting that that is something that she tried. I imagine she leveraged, tried to
1: leverage that yeah. in conjunction with her age, which is also quite young. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. But the my daughter needs a mother, and all of that was kind of that argument. So yeah.
0: yeah. And I'm sure somebody will say, well, then you probably shouldn't have killed, dismembered, dismembered, "Dismembered." assisted in the rape and abuse of a a beautiful young girl with a lot of potential in this life. So, yeah. Yeah. That'll also be really interesting to see how that goes, too. Yep. Hmm. Really interesting. Okay. Me (laughs) too. So, yeah, I like that. My next one, I'm going to keep short because it involves a small degree of conjecture, but uh, I'm going to talk for a second about the Sean Hornbeck case. So, if you guys remember, the Sean Hornbeck case um, was about a young boy, Sean Hornbeck, who was kidnapped uh, from his home in Missouri and uh, held captive for several years by a man named Michael Devlin. And then Michael Devlin attempted to kidnap a second boy, Ben Ownsby. And that kind of reignited well, ignited a search for Ben Owensby that happened into finding both boys alive in Sean Devlin's
1: mm-hmm. home
0: or Michael Devlin's home. God, that was still so crazy. I know. It's so bonkers. It really is. And the beautiful thing is like obviously these really horrible things happened to Sean Hornbeck and Ben Owensby. But they both appeared to be doing about as well as you could possibly possibly imagine somebody mm-hmm. doing after going through ordeals like that. Sean Hornbeck has been much more vocal publicly than Ben Onsby has. Mm -hmm. Ben Mm Onsby has like a somewhat defunct and outdated Twitter, but um, that's about it. Sean Hornbeck still will occasionally talk to news outlets. But something that's been interesting that came out relatively recently, just right at the end of 2020, was that a Canadian man came forward to say that in 1998, he was approached, and almost kidnapped by Michael Devlin. And it wasn't until kind of watching the Sean Hornbeck case kind of unfold and then looking into it and, you know, going through whatever personal process one might have to go to, where he realized that the person who had attempted to abduct him was Michael Devlin. So that happened in Canada. So there is some effort in Canada to Uh, open up investigation against Michael Devlin for that particular attack. Obviously, things are handled differently internationally as far as things like statute of limitations and stuff like that. I imagine the burden of proof is going to be fairly insurmountable, I would think, unless there were some other witnesses involved or some kind of physical evidence. But it doesn't sound to me like this person came forward until 2020 to say that he thinks he was potentially abducted or almost abducted by michael devlin but with that said the fact that somebody came out not during you know the case being at trial it's been several years that uh, michael devlin's been sentenced and in prison these boys have moved on with their lives you know to the best degree possible and so michael devlin is like not in the news right this isn't like Mm -hmm. a sensational like oh i'm piggybacking on yeah this or that like this guy just kind of you know, through whatever process, like I said, he went through personally, you know, has come out to say that he believes he was attached by Michael Devlin. What that suggests to me is that like when I originally kind of covered the case and went through all of my research, I was definitely of the opinion that Sean Hornbeck was Michael Devlin's first victim. And there was that unsolved disappearance of that boy in Michigan, Stephen Kraft, who went missing while Michael Devlin was on vacation up there. Mm-hmm. But they were never able to connect that. The fact that this man is coming forward to say that in 98, and we do know that Devlin was, okay, that was, what I was gonna ask. Mm-hmm. traveling at that time. Mm-hmm. So the fact that that has come through has made me really change my mind about whether or not there are more boys out there that were abducted or potentially abducted and possibly even killed. By Michael Devlin because he did attempt to kill Sean and then had a change of heart
1: mm-hmm.
0: Stephen Craft disappeared and has never been found so I do yeah. not believe Stephen Craft to be alive And we talked about that kind of in the moment because we kind of disagreed. Like Mm -hmm. you thought like, no, he could have definitely killed somebody beforehand. And then, yeah, you know, had a change of heart with Sean. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I feel like it takes more daring to kidnap and keep somebody than it does to kill someone. I think now that I've had some real time to reflect on it and think about this particular Mm -hmm. update, I am in agreement with you. Mm -hmm. And I really do think that certainly there have been other abuses. I'm sure other assaults, other abduction attempts potentially, potentially others that have gone, you know, much more fatal route. So, so yeah, I think that's definitely a possibility. And I'm very curious to see what Canada does with this information.
1: Yeah. Huh.
0: And so like part of me thought like, okay, here's a question, right? I am from Detroit, Michigan. Okay. Where I grew up is five miles away from Canada. Yes. It is a very quick, very quick drive. Can we consider Ontario to be a part of the Midwest? I think Windsor is.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely Great Lakes region. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Listeners, tell us if you want us to cover cases from Ontario and Windsor. Yeah. Because I kind of feel like... I don't know. There are places
0: in Canada that I can could literally see from like my hangouts.
1: Oh, in, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Growing up. So... It doesn't feel like a world away to me,
1: but somewhere like Nebraska that I've never set foot in kind Mm -hmm. of does, you know? So it's kind of like how it feels like going to Cincinnati and just Kentucky is just part of Cincinnati. Northern Kentucky is just part of Cincinnati. Yeah. And you're like out of the Midwest because
0: Cincinnati, I don't think feels very Midwestern. I think it feels a little bit more South, doesn't it?
1: I think that Eastern Ohio feels more Southern than Cincinnati does. Interesting. Is real Virginia. Well, that's
0: Appalachia. Exactly. Yeah, I could see that. I could see yeah. that. Yeah. So I, I might... I have two cases I kind of want to cheat with. Like this one, if it turns out. And then my <laughs> real-life true crime, which involves a Midwestern perp, but not a Midwestern crime. But I still want to talk about it later.
1: We make our own rules. That's right. That's right. All right. My turn... This is two parts of, one is an open, other one is just kind of notes of things we didn't get to get to. Oh, what'd you open? on? Um, so on the uh, Sister Margaret Ann Paul episode, I said that Barbara Blaine was still alive and well, and sadly, that is not true. Aww. Barbara Blaine passed away in 2017, That's sad. but Snap is still going strong, so I still encourage you to visit... Utilize their resources. Donate if you have that ability. Important work that they do. Yeah. Big time. But also, just because I kind of wanted to circle back around to it as I was putting together, like, the photos and everything from that case, I know we did not get to talk much about the trial and kind of what went down at trial, because that case was really long. Yeah. But I wanted to just kind of, because we both had thoughts about, like, how his actual conviction came down. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that we didn't get to talk about was kind of how the prosecution went through their case. Mm. And it was very theatrical. Hmm. So they had a woman kind of laying in the position on the ground in the courtroom so that they could show how the altar claws were laid on her and mm. how she was found. And that you can find pictures of that those you reenactments. Can, yes, yeah, you, you can, can find, find the crime scene pictures, but you can not find those reenactments. Yeah, and that was when I was looking at pictures. That was what reminded me. I was like, oh, why did I cut this from my notes? Yeah. Um, it happens. Yeah, Stuff's gotta get cut, guys. Yeah. And they also toured the entire kind of crime scene, including the sacristy and the, uh, the priest hall's With the jury, Mm -hmm. it felt very theatrical. Yeah, everything that they kind of did, they had they did have Sister Borges testify, um, and tell her side of the story because she was the only connection between the sexual abuse allegations and Mm -hmm. this murder. So I just kind of wanted to mention that because I thought it was interesting and it was just something that we didn't have time to kind of deeper dive into.
0: Yeah, that is super interesting. Mm
1: Yeah, I'm still kind of shook by
0: that case. I mean, we only talked about it two weeks ago.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It still feels very fresh for me. Yeah. Yeah, it feels very fresh. Do you want to borrow Ellen? I do kind of, but I also, I'm looking at Ophelia Speaks, and I kind of want
1: to borrow that too. Ooh, take a reviving and uh, reviving Ophelia and Ophelia Speaks there. Okay. Uh, Compliments. Got it. Um, I've been a little distracted by the bookshelf. Oh, sorry. A little bit. The nurture assumption is basically the reason why I have my current theoretical orientation. Hmm. Well, that and joining the resistance. Ah,
0: okay, uh, yeah. The boy who was raised by a dog. I also
1: kind of want to read that. Raised as a dog. Oh, as a dog. Jesus, yeah. that's worse. That is um, that's a rough book. Yeah, it's, I can imagine. Uh trauma theory based on case presentations.
0: Mm, interesting. Dark.
1: Neurology in there. Ooh,
0: I like neurology. Uh, Bruce Perry is really really good at integrating okay. everything. I'm gonna bring all these downstairs and <laughs> like thumb through them. So I'm just gonna take them now Anyway, yeah. your turn. Okay. So uh, this is actually my last one. So I want to talk for a minute about Sean Great. So different Sean, very different Sean than my last one. Yes. Sean Great, if you remember, was the Ashland County serial killer in Ohio. Yes. He um really, really horrifically killed several women. Um, Often they were kind of like under-investigated because the women were either uh, suffering some kind of disability or were known drug users and therefore got kind of written off by police uh, at first. And then the case cracked when a woman who he had kidnapped actually called from the house that he had been using as his lair to say that she had been kidnapped. And when police got to that home, they discovered uh, other bodies of women that mm-hmm. that he had you know, kidnapped and raped and murdered. So this is kind of a short note, but a really interesting one. So Sean Great very recently, um, so in that episode we talked about, he uh, was sentenced. He um, did get sentenced to death in Ohio. However, he currently has a new defense team And a judge has allowed that defense team to look into whether or not there was some significant misconduct on behalf of his original defense team.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: uh, Which could potentially cause that entire case to be reopened and retried. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we don't know much yet about the nature of that misconduct. This, Mm -hmm. This is an extremely new update. Like, scary new Well, February, but that's still, that's still pretty darn new. So, um, you know, death penalty cases get appealed and appealed and appealed and appealed because Mm -hmm. you've got nothing but time to appeal. But this is not that, this would be an entire retrial essentially, Mm -hmm. if this does actually go through.
1: Interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we Ah. definitely need to keep an eye out for that one because he, he is a really monstrous guy.
1: Yeah. And, um, I would be afraid of him getting out. Yes. Very much so. Very much so. I'm going to rapid fire through a couple more. But speaking of really monstrous guys who kept body parts in their houses. Ah. Anthony Sowell died in prison. Yeah. Ding dong. Ding dong. In February of an unknown terminal illness. Yeah. Yeah. We're not sad. Yeah. Nobody's sad. Yeah. Yeah. That was a terrible case. So Anthony Sowell, Cleveland Strangler, please forgive the sound quality on that episode. We were babies. We were babies. Yeah. But we tried and content was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Other baby cases, the Erica Baker case. Um Man, this is one case that I really do wish that we I could redo. Why can't we? We could. I don't know. We learn this show. People listen to it a lot and I do I like the information that we gave, but I was so nervous when we were recording this one. I feel like I just ended up sounding like an ass. Aww. So you were definitely very nervous. I was so nervous. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a home... Guys, when you start a podcast, don't do, like, close to your heart hometown cases because you're gonna just get nervous and sound like an ass. mm So, heads up. Yeah. But maybe we'll redo it. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Also, it sounds like crap. We could redo it and re well, whatever. We'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> but so back in April 2021, a private company called EcuSearch once again kind of tried to reopen the search for her remains by searching the Huffman Dam area in Kettering, Ohio. Unfortunately, they brought new technology. They did ground search technology, all of that. Unfortunately, they still have not found her remains. The family is still kind of just seeking a little bit of closure on that one yeah so that yeah. was the only update on that and which is kind of a stilted update mm. but they're still looking police still care police are still working on it so. yeah and that's just really important to know
0: too that there's still attention
1: yeah you know uh, um also checking on cowher because we had at we had we were wondering kind of she was sentenced in 99 and it was said that she would be up for parole in 20 two years mm-hmm. recent researched that and now people are saying 33 years so I don't know if that has to do with the 22 years was based on if she got all of her time for good behavior mm-hmm. so the 33 year update not sure what that's about but I was not finding any reports about her behavior or anything in prison really interesting god that was so disturbing that was a very disturbing case yeah crazy disturbing Is that your last update that's my last update oh and look we're right on time ah! perfect we did so well any reflections you want to leave our listeners with you know I'm
0: really looking forward to doing like a more robust reflection later okay I definitely just feel like we've really come a long way yeah you know like thinking about those first few episodes and just the awkwardness and the bumbling and the Lack of confidence, and also the lack of technology. Like, we just didn't know what we needed right off the bat. We didn't know know what
1: we needed. We were really flying by the seat of our pants. Yeah. And, I mean, I'm an awkward person in general, but I think until this, I didn't realize how much my voice goes up in pitch when I get nervous. Ah. Yeah. Well, I think it's very endearing. (laughs) And I like
0: that our voices are very different from each other. Very different. Because... You can, I don't know,
1: like, I feel like that adds, like, a rich textural quality to the Mm -hmm. conversation, right? Like, I'm a little bit. You sound like butter, and I sound like that sour powder that gets stuck on the roof of your mouth and
0: cuts (laughs) up. No, (laughs) I
1: sound like butter,
0: and you sound like a fine, expensive, lip-puckering, balsamic vinegar do love the vinegar i know you do and i do too mm-hmm. and you know what butter needs a vinegar oh, it Does so yeah speaking of which we need to go downstairs and eat whatever our men have um Concocted. prepared for us yes so we'll update you on that eventually too but yeah i just think we've really come a long way and um and we thank you for riding the ride with us absolutely really 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 thank you and we also thank you for like sticking with us through growing the pains. growing pains and we really like our metrics show us that we have a really loyal listener mm-hmm. base and that just like moves my heart and you know heart. i just love i love that like that makes me that makes me want to record mm-hmm. every week you know just knowing that there's loyalty there so yeah yeah so we appreciate you and yeah. we're really just glad to be able to do this and we're glad i think if i can speak for both of us of course to be doing this together Oh, yes. I wouldn't do this with anybody else. No
1: way. No way. We don't really, we don't really have other friends. I don't. <laughs> I mean, we do. I'm but... sorry, Mindy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Amber. I'm sorry, Alex. I love you guys. Yeah, but, but not <laughs> That's like... That's literally the extent of my friends. But not like she loves me. Like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't sleep on top of you guys for four years. That's exactly right. <laughs> Exactly.
0: All right. Let's sign off. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go eat. So um, from the bottom of our little Midwestern hearts, Please be nice.
1: And eat cheese. And we love, love you. I wonder if the boys made us cheese. I don't know. I think they included cheese. I don't mind the butter. Me too.
0: Obviously, they're trying to cater to their audience. They know us. Mm-hmm.